Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're answering the question, what is investing? We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Welcome, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. Uh, This is uh, really a topic I'm sure all our listeners are um, asking themselves every day. What's the difference? Absolutely. So let's give a little bit of context here as we shape this discussion. So the starting point is we have been going through this series on savings. We've given clear guidelines around savings, this idea of paying yourself first, having this habit and discipline of putting aside a portion of what you earn to build this emergency and opportunity fund of capital reserves. And so this is money that's safe. It's not at risk. It's liquid and can be converted into cash. It's growing and it gives you the guarantees and peace of mind. But now we want to contrast that with investing and answer a couple of questions. One is what makes investing different from savings? And what's the purpose of each? So we want to give clarity to both saving and investing and their roles within the cash flow creation system and really bring that connection point to the surface. Because once you've saved and you've built up this opportunity fund, now you want to deploy that opportunity fund into an investment. And so what does that transition look like? And how does it fit into your personal economy? So what are opportunities? And once you have that capital to invest, how do you determine the best opportunities or the best investments for you specifically, not just the best investments for anyone, but for you in your own personal economy? So today we're not going to be talking about the steps of a deal or the hottest stock pick, but what we are going to be doing is giving you some higher level thinking to have clarity on the why, the how, and the what of your personal investing strategy to have principles governing your investing. We're going to define what investing is, the why of investing, and how to execute. So let's start with the definition of investing. And Bruce, beforehand, we were talking a little bit about several different definitions of investing. Would you mind sharing that with our listeners? Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's always important to uh, define what you're talking about. I mean, anytime you pick up uh, a dictionary and you look at a definition, um, many times, if not most times, um, there are many different definitions for that word that are slightly different slightly different. And then oftentimes it's what you, the context of what you're talking about. So just to put this into context a little bit, you know, I think tr- uh, typically what people think of investing is I take my money and I buy something and I hope that particular thing that I have purchased, whether it be a home, whether it be a work of art, whether it be um, even a, a a motorcycle, whether it be some kind of other commodity, or in most of our lives right now, it's it, especially now that the stock market's doing well, it's did I buy a stock or a mutual fund or a bond, and is it appreciating in value? That's what most people think of investing. There is another mindset out there that is investing is, am I getting cash flow off of this particular investment? And that's the other people's uh, definition is, 
if I, I am only putting my money or deploying my money in something that is going to get cash flow, and oh, by the way, I'm hoping for it to appreciate, but if it doesn't appreciate, I continue. To, I can continue to hold on to it um, until I'm. I do see some appreciation, or in in a matter of fact, I may never. Uh, I may never worry about appreciation as long as it continues to, to uh, cash flow. Yeah, so I'm hearing Bruce that we see multiple different purposes for investing, and you, as a listener, may also have different purposes for investing in your own life. And there's room for all of those definitions. What we want to do is bring any def- definition that we have into the greater context of what our whole personal economy is about, what it's doing, and how we're creating value in our own lives and the lives of others. So let's go ahead and define what is investing. So if you look at it broadly, it's devoting, using, or giving of time, talent, emotional energy, or money for a purpose or to achieve something. Now that's a very broad definition. Mm -hmm. That would be investing into a relationship or investing in your personal health. I mean, we're talking about much bigger than just financially. Mm -hmm. And Anything that we really do devote that time, energy, or money to, we can look at. We're hoping in our lives is going to return more than we put in. Yeah, otherwise we wouldn't do it. Yeah, Rachel, and and um, you know, some people might think, well, I'm just using cash to invest in something, so I'm not really investing my time, talents into this. But in order in order to get that cash you had to invest your time and talent, talents into something to obtain the capital to then invest into something. So indirectly, you're always investing your time and talents into something to obtain uh, an investment through, through the capital that you were traded for your time and talents. Absolutely. So you're talking about making the money in the first place to be able to invest. And and then there's also the side that you could say, well, maybe I don't need to bring all three things to the table. Maybe I have the time and somebody else has the talent and the money. And so we can work together to achieve the return from this investment. Or maybe you have the capital, but you're relying on someone else's time and talent that they've built up. And so what we want to do is bring this whole idea of investing into a perspective of really saying, what do I have to contribute and what am I looking to get out of it? So one, this could be learning and building your skill set in real estate to achieve financial freedom. Maybe you're investing your time and your knowledge and perhaps even your money to build that education. That would be investing in yourself, but you're also investing in your ability to create value for other people through your new knowledge and skill. And again, we mentioned investing in relationships. Maybe the purpose for that is to achieve love or connection or happiness. And and that is something that you're investing your time and possibly your money into as well, into your relationships. And sometimes you invest so, your your talents and capital so that you can have more time. I think sometimes people forget about that. They say, well, I'm, I'm using my time and my uh, talents and my capital to capital to try to get more capital, but other people say, "Well, no. What I I'm, I have plenty of of uh, capital right now, and I have plenty of talent, so I'm going to employ both of those so that I get more time." We're always exchanging time and capital and talents uh, uh, intertwine with each other, and and that's the basics of investing, not only in yourself but to get more time. 
Absolutely. Oh, this is a fabulous discussion already. So let's turn to the financial side of investing. So if we're investing money or capital, we want to gain something. So what is it that we're looking for? Maybe this is, it's usually some kind of a profitable return. And that could be defined as maybe we're looking for interest, we're looking for income, or we're looking for appreciation in value. So I think the starting point is to really be clear on what exactly am I looking to achieve? Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of this investment? Not, not what type of investment is it? And how do I just understand the investment? But what is the goal that I'm looking for? Do I want it to increase and just appreciate in value as net worth that Bruce was talking about earlier? Or do I want it to kick off cash flow so that I can have additional income? So we're going to bring both into light as we, as we continue this discussion. So essentially, you're putting your money to work. So this is in contrast with you doing all of the work to bring money into your life. So if you have a job, you're trading your time for a flow of income as a paycheck into your personal economy. Instead of only relying on that paycheck, we want to get into a position that our assets are creating, they're working for us and they're creating some kind of growth, either appreciation or cash flow or interest. Yeah, I, I, I agree, uh, Rachel, with that, but only if that's what your what your goal is in the first place. There's a lot of people that are perfectly happy with just, um, you know, trading their time and talents for a W-2 job and wage. At least that's what they, they think they're happy with that. Well, interestingly enough, I just got a email 15 minutes before this podcast from my um, next door neighbor who I had my wife and I had dinner with uh, last Friday night, and he said, Bruce, I loved listening to uh, what you're doing with at E3 Consultants Group, and I've decided to quit my job and look at other ways that I can invest in myself. And he thought, hmm. he thought, he thought that he was perfectly happy with just staying in a, a W-2 type job. He's 50 years old. And he thought we, we talked about retirement because he was ask, asking me about, you know, what I should do. I'm thinking about retiring at 65. And, and you know, on this podcast, uh, we had talked about um, helping people structure their lives so well, they actually forget about retiring. And I was, I was mm -hmm. uh, talking to him about that concept and it, he said it really woke himself up. Was like, what am I doing here? I think I'm uh, achieving what I was supposed to achieve that I learned from my my parents. He said, so I thought I was perfectly happy with this. And I got to thinking, you know, this is not what my true personality is. So he was even what my point is, is even though there are some people that think they're perfectly happy with just a, becoming a W-2 employee, if they are giving enough knowledge, they will start thinking about how they can invest in themselves. And then an invest, investment in themselves would, would then or could uh, correspond in investing in other things that will then uh, allow them to kick off additional cash flow or appreciation. That's awesome. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing that, Bruce, because that really helps us tie into uh, another point that we're going to make a little bit later on about some of the best investments that we can possibly make. 
But if you, as we think about investing in the context of maybe you're looking to achieve financial freedom and you are following Robert Kiyosaki and you're in the position where you say, well, what I want to do is I want to create cash flow that is in excess of my expenses so that I can live off of cash flow from assets. Maybe that's real estate, maybe it's businesses, but somehow you're looking for cash flowing assets. Now that would be one type of, of growth that you could have from, from investing. So this could be maybe rental income from real estate property. Maybe you're looking for interest and that could be, for example, dividend paying stock. Maybe you're looking to have a pile of capital or a a nest egg that you want to grow and have that appreciate in value that at some future point you want to turn into income. And that would be the typical, maybe the typical work until you're 65 and then retire after that perspective which for some people that is the goal that they have. And so this might be the perspective of maybe there's a property and it increased in value from $200,000 to $350,000. That would be an appreciation of an asset. So as we look at all these different purposes, it brings us to the why. Why do we want to invest? So I would say the beginning would be that we want to have capital to start with. Before we can invest, you need to have something to work with. And that is the reason why we build up savings and have this store of capital reserves, this emergency and opportunity fund. Now, if we look at our financial picture and our cash flow creation system as a whole, there's two other purposes to our money. And these would fall in the category of investing. One is the goal to increase cash flow and increase net investable income. The second would be growth, to expand the capital that we have available, ideally having no loss of principal. Bruce, is there anything you'd like to share yeah, about that? I think, th- I think the two roles of investing, one with cash flow and one with growth, growth with the ideally with no loss of principal are very good tenants to try to follow. I think of things in, in our world, uh, Rachel, as far as... Um, uh, alternative investments. So we'll, we'll, we mm-hmm. may get into that later on, and I know we'll talk about it in other uh, podcasts, but an alternative investment in in my definition is anything that's not a stock bond or mutual fund. So it could it could be a business. Mm-hmm. It, it, it could be cash value life insurance. It could be a real estate investment trust, a non-traded one, so that you hold it directly. It could be a business development corporation. So example, um, some of our uh, clients are, are investing in business development corporations and they're getting a six and a half percent dividend off of that quarterly dividend. So that's cash flow that's coming off of it. They're hoping it's going to grow mm-hmm. because the normal, the, the normal time period that, the, uh, that they would hold it is between five and seven years. So they're hoping after five to seven years, somebody, uh, some big organization is going to come and, and buy the book of business, whether it be a pensions a fund or an insurance company is going to buy it for their portfolio. And they're hoping it's going to, the 100000 is going to appreciate in value. And there's a target goal for that. But on occasion, there isn't, um, you know, they might, they might get six and a half percent over seven years. So they've actually gotten $45,000 of of cash flow over that seven years. But then when they sell, uh, oftentimes our clients say, well, I'm, 
you know, you're, you, you want to sell right now, but it's 96,000. So I've lost $4,000 of appreciation. And we tell them, well, don't look at, look at it like that. Look at your net overall growth. So you would simply take the 4,000 off the 45,500. And now that means you've gained 41,500 over the time period. That's still a heck of a rate of return when you uh, look at it over that seven-year period. So looking at, looking at growth and expanding your capital and ideally with no loss of principal is an important thing when you're looking to invest. But if you if you invest in something that gives you cash flow at the same time, you have to look at the net effect of the two things. Where some people just look at the see if it's cash flow, and some people look at just things that uh, have growth. Flippers of houses are example of they just are looking for growth. Uh, people that people mm-hmm. that buy non dividend paying stocks are looking just for growth. Uh, people that uh, buy and hold rental property are looking for cash flow. People that buy dividend paying stocks. Uh, can argue that they're just worried about the cash flow. So you have mm-hmm. to distinguish, are you looking for cash flow or, and you're hoping for growth? Or are you looking for growth only? And then if you have a product that does both of those, then it's all right on occasion to give up loss of principal as long as the cash flow off of it, the net, the net amount that you make off the cash flow um, is ex- an acceptable amount to you. Bruce, that's a really healthy discussion around some of the products that you can use and then the perspective of whether we want something to appreciate or having cash flow. What I would come back to as well is that ultimately your goal is going to be cash flow. At some point, net worth is of value to you if at some point in the future you are able to distribute that into your personal life and live off of cash flow. And so you could also look at saying, how can we increase cash flow today so that I have additional income to work with? And then a portion of that goes into what's being saved every month. So you have a greater percentage of your money going into savings as you have additional income from your assets today. And then as that continues to grow this reserve fund that you have, you're able then to invest in more opportunities that if you're focused on cash flow today would bring in additional cash flow in your you're increasing the income that's coming in starting now instead of waiting until the Rachel, future. That's a, yeah, so whatever that's a really good point. And, and if I could for just a second, so some of our uh, clients, they don't take on these business development corporations, they don't take the six and a half percent. I think this is what you're saying. It's a great point. Some people look at growth as here today, it's worth this much. And down the road, it's going to be worth more than that. And you're hoping for appreciation. What I believe you're saying mm-hmm. to our audience, and which I agree with 100%, is another way to get growth is to have a, a product that kicks off. In this, in this case, this business development corporation is 6.5%. And then just take that 6.5% and throw it back into your pile of savings and that now that now you're getting mm-hmm. appreciation from increased savings, not just a speculatory uh, growth. 
Yes, because then at that position, we'll say you put that 6% back into savings. What's that doing to your savings pile that you're not just then able to get interest on the savings, but now you have an, another growing pool to be able to invest. Maybe that's a $40,000 down payment on a large cash flowing property that would then increase income as well. And so again, we're not saying that cash flow is the only way or that it's the only perspective that you can have. But if you focus on creating that cash flow now, then you have more money to work with as you continue moving forward. Yeah. And and people that focus on rental properties, uh, that's exactly what they do. They early on in their portfolio growth, the the cash flow they take and they and they put it back into their reserves until it grows enough to then invest that in, into another cash flowing property then they take all that cash flow from all the properties and they they throw it back into a savings component until it grow that savings component grows enough and then they go buy another cash flowing property with the idea that uh, eventually, they will have a number of properties that they believe uh, they can handle, and then they will stop purchasing more properties and just use that cash flow either for uh, their own personal economy or to actually use that cash flow to invest into other uh, things besides rental properties. So, yeah, they, that's something that uh, rental property people focus on at all times. Absolutely. And Bruce, you're making another point that if you take your savings, your emergency opportunity fund today, and you invest it for cash flow, but say you did not have that value set in your life to be able to save the proceeds and to be able to put those to work again, you could essentially eat the mm-hmm. the cash flow from your right. first investment. But if you do that, you're not setting yourself up for long-term success. You might be able to have a small increase in lifestyle today, but it's really about taking that long-term perspective and saying, what am I building so that I can truly bring myself to a point that I can create that cash flow that I can live off of? And then that creates a huge amount of time and financial freedom in your life as you can choose when and how to work and apply your unique abilities to continuing to grow that cash flow rather than being required to work just so that you can put food mm-hmm. on the table. Very good. So if we bring this back to the prosperity economics idea as well, we want to have not just one purpose of our money, but have multiple purposes so that we can optimize our whole economy. And I think sometimes we get stuck in this typical mindset of saying, well, I'm investing for retirement. Well, if I just invest for retirement and I'm not thinking about the big picture life that I'm creating today and in the future and having this expanding, multiplying, growing ability to live this life that I love and be able to have this great impact in the world. If we just look at retirement, it can be really limiting and just have only one purpose. So I want to expand that perspective of why we're saving and why we're investing. So for each investment, we first want to be clear on why and then the purpose of that money. Again, we'll contrast this with savings. So savings is going to have money that's safe, whereas investments have risk. There's always going to be an element in investing that's outside your control. And so we can look at ways, and we will further on in this discussion today, on how to mitigate that risk. But you're, you are open to risk in not having a safe environment for your money when you put it into that investing arena. Now, savings also has liquidity. So 
when you're investing, liquidity is not as important. You often give up the liquidity so that you can accomplish a different purpose. With savings, growth is nice and you would hope to have growth. With investing, growth is going to be a top priority. So safety is not as important. Liquidity is not as important. But growth is going to be usually the top priority of investing. Yeah, I use this with clients all the time. When we when we talk about the purpose of their money, I always go back to, okay, now we're trying to decide what to do here or, or help you decide what to do here. We're going to look at the safety, liquidity, and growth. And you really, on any particular uh, product or venture, you can only get two out of the three. And that's okay. You just have to determine on which mm-hmm. which one you're trying, the criteria for this particular product. Are you looking for safety and liquidity and you're going to give up some growth, which is a savings component? Are you looking for liquidity, uh, safety and growth and you're giving up liquidity, which is most of the time is a cash flow component? Are you looking for liquidity and growth uh, or giving up liquidity and growth? And that could be more of a you know, what some people would call a speculation or a riskier um, environment. So you can always kind of put the purpose of the money into a product or you decide what the purpose of the money is, then pick the product according to whether you're trying to do, you're trying to get two out of the three of safety, liquidity, and growth. That's fabulous. So let's expand the definition of investing as well. I think a lot of times we get stuck as I mentioned earlier, in this idea that I'm investing for retirement, that's the only reason I invest. There's another thing that we often get stuck in, and that's because of typical thinking and what most people are doing around us, is that we equate this idea that save or that investing means I'm buying mm-hmm. stocks. Now, there are four asset classes, and stocks fall into a part of one asset class. So let's just let's just talk about these for a second here. And we can come back to that at some future point. But there are paper assets. And so these are going to be um, anything that's securities or dollar related. I don't know if Bruce, you want to expand or elaborate well, even, on that at all. Yeah, even even uh, bonds, uh, money market uh, accounts, people think money markets are perfectly safe. And they're actually a paper asset uh, that you have. Um, mutual funds, things that um, you are not, you're only holding the right of these. You're not holding the actual tangible property. So that would be considered a paper asset. We also have a second category of commodities. So this could be old, owning tangible commodities. This could be wheat or corn or oil or gold or silver. There's also real estate, and there's many different categories of real estate, but this would be property and the structures on the property. So this could be commercial real estate or residential. It could be um, any type of way that real estate is structured. There's many different goals you could be looking for within all of these investments as well. And a fourth asset would be businesses. So this could be cash flowing businesses, or it could be owning someone else's business or purchasing additional businesses. But when we look at the four asset categories, we want to be aware that the world is much larger than just stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 and that's the thing. I, I do believe that because stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, people say all the time, I'm investing, you know, it, whether it's at a, uh, a picnic, whether it's at the water cool, the traditional water cooler, 
at your work, <laughs> uh, whether it's at after church someday, you know, people use the word I'm investing in this particular stock or I'm investing in this particular mutual fund um, because they see television commercials, they hear they hear uh, radio commercials about this. They they're bombarded that they're investing in these particular things. And I and I've mentioned this, I believe, on another podcast is, you know, when you really think about it, um, you only if an investing is hoping for uh, appreciation of an asset in their minds, then I guess you truly are investing in, say, Apple computer company. Um but if you're if you're really thinking that I am having an influence on that company, in other words, at one time Apple was trying to uh, gather more money into their business so they can expand. They did an initial public offering, and they uh, allowed people to buy the stock. Apple then would use that money to actually expand their capabilities. So you were directly investing the money with Apple so that they could increase their cap- capabilities. However, after that, uh, some people would say you're not really truly investing. You're, what you're actually doing is speculating because you're not giving the money to Apple anymore. You're actually giving it to somebody who was willing to actually sell Apple stock. So that is something... And speculating on the price of right. that asset or speculating on the price of that stock That's exactly in the right. And I think that, um, the more people start to realize that uh, it's words are important. Words are very important. And so if they realize that, yes, you're purchasing that stock, but you're really purchasing it from another person who has decided that, uh, they don't. They're, they're selling it for two reasons. One, this is interesting for this discussion. One, they need more capital, liquid capital, right now, to employ it somewhere else. <clears throat> or two, the way a lot of people think about it is, <clears throat> excuse me, the, a lot of people think about it is. I think Apple has uh, gone as high as it's going to go, so I am going to sell it to somebody else. Well, that means you're buying it from somebody who thinks it's topped out and you're, you actually think it's actually going to continue to go. So you have. So you're basically betting against the betting against the bet of the person. Exactly right. It's exactly right. It's kind of odd when you think about the whole process. You think you're smarter or you're, or the person who's suggesting you think you're smarter than the person or actually that person's advisor. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think people stop and think about that. I think they just think, oh, I'm looking at this particular stock investment or mutual fund investment or, or bond investment, and I'm looking at it, and we believe that it's going to go up in the future. But you have to have a belief based upon your research. But it just so happens that you are buying it from somebody who has looked at it and as I said, I'm selling it right now because I believe it's going to go down in the future. I don't think people think about that when they're buying uh, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a really fascinating discussion around that, just to expand our idea of 
why we're mm-hmm. investing, and why the asset is even becoming available for us to invest in in the first place, who it's providing value to, and it might be the seller yes. of that stock. This also brings another idea that you could potentially invest in businesses with a controlling interest or ownership in that business as an investor, where maybe you're not necessarily purchasing stock, but you're buying a portion of the business or you have controlling ability to help direct the decisions of that business. And that would be truly investing in business as opposed to a paper asset that's connected with a business. Yeah, I think I um, I think I mentioned this once again on another podcast, and I, I don't mind repeating it because I think this concept is foreign. I remember turning onto my street one day um, and I, and I know exactly where I was when the thought hit me that why am I, my, why is my stock portfolio? Why am I employing my capital in a stock portfolio? And I've never actually met the people that are running the company. And Mm-hmm. So I really don't know anything about the company except second and third hand about the company, and it's about the numbers. And I have seen over my career, over and over and over, examples of where the numbers uh, were either purposely falsified or they were um, there was mistakes made during the process. I was sitting with a client in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, several years ago, and uh, I knew he owned Procter & Gamble stock. He had $800,000 in Procter & Gamble stock, and that was the only stock he owned because he worked at Procter & Gamble and did stock purchases and believed in the stock purchase. And I thought to myself, well, this is great because he's an insider. He understands how well the company's being run. But now he's actually looking to retire and he's going to get outside the company. And I just mentioned to him during the meeting, I said, well, this is great. But do you now that you're going to be outside the company, you're not going to understand what's going on in the inner workings. So you might not have as great a faith in Procter & Gamble stock. And he said, oh, no, I I believe uh, we're in the people. And I said, yes, I understand you believe in the people now because you know the people. But it, those same people aren't going to be mm-hmm. around two, three, four, five years from now. And Rachel, I don't think I've ever told you the story. In the middle of the meeting, because I had a, a stock alert on Procter & Gamble because I wanted to talk to him about it. In the middle of the meeting, the stock price went from 52 to 32 in about a 20-minute 20, 20 period. And, and it was because oh an accounting firm had misplaced a zero um, in their pro forma, and it was discovered. Oh, my goodness. Well, it it plummeted because of an accounting error. So it didn't really make any difference how how good the people were. They had actually made an accounting error. So now, uh, subsequently, later on, it was discovered that the accounting error wasn't quite as bad, and it did recover. But the but the point being is, it's you when you're when you're going into a business and um, buying the stock, you really don't know about the business. Now, what, the reason I brought that up is you talked about you know purchasing a, a controlling interest in the business. Well, generally when that happens, you know the people in the business and you take you keep tabs on the person, even if you're a silent investor. 
you know, you're still having mm-hmm. contact with those people. You still, you can see the stress that they're going through. You may even talk to them about, you know, uh, the numbers, so on and so forth. So even if you're a, um, either you're a controlling interest, um, uh, more than 51%, or you have voting in- interest in what's going on, how are your contract, you are, you are actually, you're actually seeing those persons. You're, you're looking into their eyes. And I, I still remember the, when I, when I turned the corner to my house, the first time I actually thought about that. You know, Bruce, I think it illustrates the point that you were thinking deeply about this rather than just being willing to follow what everyone else is doing. And really that's the mark of somebody who said, I want to be in control of my financial life and my destiny. I'm willing to think differently so that I can be in control. And I think if we all are honest enough with ourselves, we have questions about why we're doing what we're doing. Are we just following because somebody else said it was the right stock, because they said it was the right way to invest, because this is what everyone does? Or are we really putting a financial system in place in our lives that is setting us up for the future of control that we really want. And that brings us into this idea of saying, what are the best investments for me? And I think often we end up looking outside of ourselves. We say, well, what's the next best stock, the next high-tech stock company or the high-tech company that I should invest in that's growing or, or what is so-and-so investing in that they made a lot of money. And instead of just looking at the money part of it, we really want to understand what is going on. Who is this investment serving? What value are they getting out of it? Bruce, you were mentioning about the looking at only the numbers and that can often be misleading if we're only investing for the money because we really want to be investing for multiple reasons. One, we want to invest in a way that's aligned with our unique investor identity. And what that means is it means that we're investing in what we know and control. Because at that point, we can be an active investor. If I know a company, and I'm investing in that company, because I know the leadership, I know the decisions that they're making, I know who they're serving, and I know how they're doing that. And I believe in that leadership, and I have the ability to control or direct the decisions of the leadership and they're aligned with my value system, and they're serving in a way that I understand that is an investment that is wise for you to be invested in. But if you're investing, you have no knowledge, no control, that is something that you're just investing passively. And whenever you're passively investing, you just are, you're on the handlebars of the bike, hoping they're going to make great decisions, but you're just along for the ride. And so really what we want to do is find out how your unique ability creates your unique advantage. How do you personally create the most value for others? So we know that dollars follow value and the more value that's being created, the more dollars can flow in as a result of that. So even if we look at real estate, we're not just saying, well, real estate is a great investment because financially it just always makes sense. Well, it's not. It's the right investment for the person who is using it correctly according to their knowledge and skill. This might be a good investment for you to invest in cash flowing real estate. It might be a in a specific market in the US or a specific type of apartment housing or a specific type of commercial real estate. 
because it might be something that you understand and you know, but once you step out of the bounds of what you know and control, then you're in a passive investing role. So what we want to do, this is the number one way to lower risk. So when you're not in control, you have that possibility of risk. But when we invest with knowledge and control, we lower the risk in the investment. And so it's not just about saying, well, how can I get better returns? I have to take on more risk to do that. Instead, we want to use your investor identity to lower your risk and to accelerate your investment strategy. So Bruce, this comes back to what you were talking about with Procter & Gamble. It's not necessarily that that particular stock was a good or bad investment. It more so has to do with, is the person who's investing in a role of active investing or are they in a role of passive investing and just doing what somebody else said was a great idea for them? Yeah. And I think um, when we talked to Richard Wilson um, a week or 10 days ago, um, and he's with the family office model and, and our listeners will dive deep more deeply into that later on. But I, I remember what uh, Richard said about uh, the family office model or people that were had, I believe was $30 million or more of net worth. He said, what they focus on is a, is an investment identity on things that they know. Mm-hmm. So they, they figure out what they know better than anybody else. And they um, only invest in those types of businesses. And he said, what, that allows you to do as an investor is one, recognize something very quickly because you know the you know the industry inside and out so that you can then um, actually purchase it faster than somebody else so that you can obtain it. But then once you've obtained it, you know it so well, so you know where the leaks are, where the holes are, where you can make it better. So that, that uh, is an example of people that have very high net worth. And one of the reasons that they've been able to do that type of or obtain that type of net worth is they have decided what they know very, very well, and they get very specific on what they control in their lives. Absolutely. And this allows them then to focus So it's interesting that I've heard a lot of negative quotes from wealthy people about diversification. Um, Mm -hmm. But Warren Buffett specifically says diversification is protection against ignorance. So if you did not have a strong knowledge base about a particular investment or a particular asset class or a particular industry that you'd like to invest in, then the best alternative is to say, well, let's just throw out a bunch of money to a bunch of different options and hope something works out. I think Robert Kiyosaki says something like it's the equivalent of purchasing five different cars that are all lemons, hoping one of them isn't as bad of a lemon as the rest or something. Yeah. And, Todd, and I, I heard Todd Lankford, I heard Todd Lankford say um, his idea of diversification is you're actually admitting that one of your things are, is going to lose money. Because mm-hmm. if if you if you didn't have the belief that one of your uh, products was going to lose money, then you wouldn't need diversification. So he says diversification is it actually an admittance to yourself that you believe you're going to lose money. And I just found that fascinating. The, the day Todd said that, it kind of 
opened my eyes to something that I believed in, but I, I could not really put my finger on how to explain it. And I thought it was a great, um, a great example of that. When you look at um, Shark Tank, if any of our listeners ever watch Shark Tank, you can see the, the uh, people that are on the sharks and they all have uh, specific areas in which they like to uh, invest their money. You, when a person comes around, they look for certain personality types um, that they want to deploy their money into. And they also look at different areas uh, that they can actually focus in. Um, and you, you actually see a, a, a pattern during that show that happens over and over and over. That brings us back to another thing is um, you'll see during Shark Tank uh, you'll, and you'll hear the people say over and over, um, I would like to make you this offer because I like you or because mm-hmm. I believe in you. And so they mm-hmm. see somebody, not, they're not just looking at the numbers, they see the person behind the business. Oh, absolutely. And yes. I speak to angel investors as well and, and hear the exact same thing. They're not investing just in a financial return. They're investing in a person that they believe can create a financial return. And if that person doesn't create the financial return that they expect, they know that they're going to learn from that and be able to be better Adjust. next time. That's yes. right. Yeah. So what's interesting about all of this is you may be standing from a position right now that you might say, well, look, there's some investments that I want to understand, but I don't right now. And so therefore, I don't have something that I tremendously know and control that I can make money in as an investment. And this is the number one reason why people don't make what they want to make in investments because they skip this one foundational first step. And it's this. Your number one greatest investment is to invest in yourself. There's absolutely no other investment in the world that can return the same returns as you developing your knowledge and your skill set and your ability to understand a particular type of business or asset class so that you can invest as an active investor and you can reap the rewards of that. And so if we skip over investing in ourselves and we just look at money as the ultimate value, we're missing that abundance principle that people are the true value. We cannot just value the investment that returned dollars or even the company that is producing the investment. We need to value investing in our own ability to have knowledge and control so we can actively invest with that knowledge and control in order to generate the returns and the cash flow that we want through our investments. Napoleon Hill has a great quote here as well. And he says, the greatest riches have not been mined from gold mines. They have been mined from people's minds. And when you really think about it, all investments are, is somebody taking an idea because they saw a problem and they created a solution to that problem. And because they were able to solve a problem, they were able to provide value and dollars were a result of that. Mm -hmm. So we want to start at the beginning and not just look at the financial gains. The other thing that I want to say about that is that as in addition to investing in ourselves, the number one asset that we usually have the greatest control over is our business. If you're a business owner, you have formed a way to serve people or provide products to others using your unique ability. 
and built a team around yourself to be able to execute and deliver that value. And that's usually the number one thing that you can actively invest in because you have the greatest level of knowledge and control. So while many typical ideas about financial planning and the typical way of thinking about money would often tell you that you should make your money and then you should invest it somewhere else that you don't have knowledge and control and you're a passive investor hoping to retire off of that accumulation portfolio someday, we would say often your greatest investment is to invest into your business where you have the greatest returns, the greatest control, and the greatest knowledge. Rachel, this isn't this isn't exactly what you're you're talking about, but I find this to be interesting. I think what you're where you're going with this is a great lesson for people. We have uh, we're fortunate at E3 Consultants Group that there are uh, our principal partner has several pers- uh, professional athletes, and I've been I've been in, involved in some of the meetings with them, and he often says to them. Why do professional athletes fight so hard for guaranteed money? And then they put that money, or they they listen to people to put that money into non-guaranteed places where they mm-hmm. don't ha- they don't understand the 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 uh, industry at all. And so I think what you're the point that you're getting to is that people, um, spend time obtaining this capital. I see it with business owners all the time. Uh, I met uh, with a business owner not too long ago that had a little over a million dollars in workable cash. And he said to me, okay, so what what stocks should I invest this in? And I said, well, have you ever considered expanding your business with this cash? Because I believe you can make more money on it through your business than you can somewhere else that you don't even understand. I believe that's where you were going with all of that that explanation. Maybe not that specific example, but uh, having well, the cap, yeah, Go your ahead. capital employed what you where you know it and and understand and focus. Yes, absolutely. And I think the greatest place that you have the greatest ability to generate cash flow is going to be in the areas that you know and control most effectively. And so and we can get off on the psychology of this, you know, but uh, of unfortunately sometimes people they think, well, I'm going to give up control to somebody else cuz I talk to a lot of business coaches too, uh, and they're psychological coaches, and what they realize is once they get to a certain level, it's funny, they get to a certain level because they have confidence in their ability, but then they get to a point where they say, "Oh, I don't want to screw this up." And so they they take their capital and they want to give it to somebody else because they don't want to take any personal responsibility for it. And I think that's what happens in our world is people fight and save and then they then they invest because then they want to say, well, if they lose the money, hey, I had a bad financial advisor. It had nothing to do with me because they don't want to take that interpersonal responsibility. So mm-hmm. I would say I would say to a person you while why you are listening to this podcast is because Rachel and I have this idea is we would like to educate people so that they become the best financial advisor that they could be, become and that would be themselves they would become their own financial advisor you would use your own financial advisor 
as somebody that would bring you new ideas, but they would educate you along the way. And then you can make the decisions that's based upon your own philosophy, your own comfort, and so on and so forth. Um, and you do that through concentrating, focusing on what you believe in and what you know. Absolutely. And I love how you brought that psychology in because it requires us to become powerful people to invest this way and to really take control and ownership of our financial life and our destiny, not relying on somebody else or saying, well, it didn't work out because it was someone else's fault, but really taking that perspective of an internal look and saying, how can I grow from this? How can I create the life that I want? How can I be in financial control? And yes, we're very aligned and, and we believe this, this idea that you can direct your own financial destiny. You do not have to be told what to do by someone else, but you can take control of that in your own life. And so as we conclude this idea on what is investing, what does this look like? We'll come back in another podcast and talk about how to connect that back into savings and what that can look like as a whole personal economy. But today, I hope that we've helped to expand your perspective a little bit on the purpose of investing. We've talked about that secret to lowering your investment risk by investing actively in what you know and control. We've talked about your top two investments being, first of all, investing in yourself and building your knowledge and skill set and possibly investing back into your own business. We've really answered that question, what makes investing different from savings, as we talked about safety, liquidity, and growth, and how we use those as measures to define what we're looking for our money to do. So in closing, think through your own unique ability. As you think about your investor identity, what is it that you are great at? What is it that you have to offer the world that you can do in your own way that no one else can do? And how can you invest in that skill set so that you can develop it to provide more value to more people? There's several different resources and tools that I'm aware of, and I know Bruce has used as well. One is the Colby Profile that is fascinating at helping you understand how you personally get results. The Fascination Advantage Test is wonderful as well. There's Gallup's Strengths Finder Test, and Dan Sullivan has a unique Ability 2.0 program and book. We'll have the resource links in the podcast show notes as well. So you can grab all of those there. But look at what's paying you cash flow in your life right now. And how can you invest in that so that you can become more valuable? I want to thank you, our listeners today. And we'd love to hear what you think about this conversation and answer your questions. You can email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. In closing, I want to say success leaves clues. So model the successful few not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. 
or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.